Well, Happy New Year again. Yeah, as Christians, we all know already that our new year began on November 27th. Christian year starts on the first Sunday of Advent. But we've got to give the pagans their day. So it's the start of a new calendar year, and we're all looking to see what the next 12 months have in store for us, each and every one of us. Now, if you read the columnists and listen to the pundits and watch the news, you know there's a lot of speculating going on about what we can expect for this new year, what we think might happen. There's always the uncertainty about the economy, the situations in Iraq and Afghanistan, global warming, immigration, the changing landscape of the population, and, of course, this year, the beginning of a new presidency. But the bottom line is that no one knows what's going to happen except God, and God is not telling. At least God doesn't lay out the whole plan for us all at one time. God reveals his will for our lives in small increments on a day-to-day -day basis. So I think it's important at the start of this new year that just as God has been faithful to us in the past, God again will be faithful to us in this coming year. And I really believe that. Circumstances change, but God remains the same. God is our constant. God is with us even in changing circumstances. So it's the first Sunday of the Pagan New Year, and it's also Epiphany Sunday. From now to Ash Wednesday, which will be March 1 this year, we'll be focusing how the light of God's love manifested itself in the person of Jesus Christ and continues to brighten our world to this day. Now, I didn't know this, but when I was researching this, the celebration of Epiphany actually predates Christmas. That's right, predates Christmas. Epiphany, Easter, and Pentecost were the great holy days for the early church. Christmas came along later. The United States Congress actually worked on Christmas Day up until the year 1856. Many of us wonder if they've worked a day since. But the gospel lesson for Epiphany today, Matthew, the second chapter of Matthew, which, which Aaron read, is Matthew's account of Jesus' birth. And it's very much different from Luke's account. There's no mention of angels in the sky, or a stable, or cattle lowing, or shepherds in the field, no swaddling clothes, none of that. No manger filled with straw. Matthew's concern is with something else. Basically three different things. Joseph, whose life takes a different turn when he finds out that his betrothed is pregnant and he knows it's not him. Magi from the east who are forced to go home by a different route unexpectedly to avoid the wicked King Herod and an unexpected and sudden trip to Egypt for the Holy Family leads the home, Holy Family from their home in Bethlehem to eventually settle after two years away 
far away in the sleepy little village of Nazareth. So what I want to explore this morning is this common thread of unexpected circumstances and who knows what the new year will bring for any of us. God is constant and faithful to lead and guide us even when our life's journey takes us in a direction that we do not choose to go. So let's begin with Joseph. Matthew would have us know that Joseph was an honorable man, above and beyond reproach. When he learned that Mary was pregnant out of wedlock, as it were, he resolved to put her out of his, out of his life quietly rather than humiliate her publicly. Now we know that. From Matthew 1, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Yet Joseph was a devout man, willing to surrender his will to the will of God. Because of his obedience, Joseph's life suddenly took a different turn. This simple carpenter would become an instrument of God's choosing in the unfolding drama of our salvation. And then there were the magi from the east, the wise men as we like to call them. They were astrologers, not theologians, but most, most importantly, they were Gentiles, not Jews. And this is why we call today this epiphany Epiphany is a fancy word that means a revealing, a manifestation that comes on of itself. And that's what Jesus was to the wise men, the Gentiles. They followed the star as far as Jerusalem, but at this point they needed help. So they asked in Matthew 2, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. When Herod got word, Matthew says that he was frightened, Herod was, and all Jerusalem with him. He had every right to be. In those days, kings lived by the sword, and they died by the sword. There was no place in his kingdom for another king. If there was a child born as a king, then that child had to go. He asked the religious leaders where this Messiah was. And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea. So he asked the Magi when they found the child to come back and tell him where he was so that he too might bow down and worship him, offer him homage. Matthew says that they found Mary in a house. Notice it was not a stable, it was a house. And it was there that they knelt before him and offered their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Matthew 2 says, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then Matthew says, and this is the part I want to emphasize, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route unexpected change of plans. Now to our modern ears, that might sound pretty lame. 
If I-70's closed, take U.S. Highway 40. Goes in the same direction both ways, no big deal. But remember that travel back then wasn't that easy. There were trade routes to follow, and to venture off the beaten path meant so that you did meant that you did so at a great great peril. For the Magi to take a different trade route might well mean that they would have to go hundreds of miles out of their way to get back home. You would have thought that under those circumstances they might just have ignored the dream and taken a chance. It reminds me of a time in the mid-1970s when I was commuting to Merrillville from Valparaiso. And I t used to take a shortcut every day to, uh, known as Old Joliet Road. We had a lot of rain one particular night before I went to work, and when I got to a certain spot on the road, there was a detour sign on a roadblock, road closed. Traffic was being diverted back to the right, to the north. If I took the detour, I was certain to be late for work. I looked down the road as far as I could see, and it looked okay to me. So I drove around the sign. It's a piece of cake so far. About five miles down the road, I saw what the problem was. And there before me, which hadn't been there before me, was a large lake right in the middle of the road. I had no choice but to turn around and go back. The good news is that God is faithful through the changing circumstances of our lives. That's something we can count on. The bad news is we experience God's faithfulness only as we let go of our need to control what happens in our lives. We have to learn to conform to God's will, and that's very difficult to do. Like the Magi, God will lead us home, even if it's by a different route. There could be lots of twists and turns and detours along the way. Matthew goes on to say that after the Magi left, Joseph had yet another dream. This time the angels warned him to get out of Bethlehem, that his, life, his son's life was in danger like the Pharaoh vowing to kill the baby Moses. Herod was going to kill all the Hebrew boys that were two years old and younger. Matthew 2 tells us, So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son. Reminds me that biblical story of a little boy who was in Sunday school and the class was asked to draw a picture of a Bible story that they knew well. So this little boy drew a picture of a jet airliner. The teacher had asked the children to draw something to depict the Bible story and that's what he came up with. That's interesting, the teacher said. What Bible story were you thinking about? And the little boy said the time that they flew the baby Jesus out of Egypt. Okay, the teacher said, the flight to Egypt. She looked more carefully and saw that there were four windows in the airplane, and in each window there was a figure of a person. Well, the teacher asked the boy, who are the people on the plane? 
He pointed to the three in the back seat, and he said, Joseph, Mary, and the baby Jesus. Well, who's that in the front seat? The little boy replied, well, that's Pontius, the pilot. Joseph kept his family in Egypt for about two years until Herod the Great died, and then he brought them back to Bethlehem, only to find out that things were worse under Herod's son, Archelaus. So this is when he takes them on to Nazareth, and you, you know the rest of the story. Now the point of all this is that none of this that happened to this holy family fit into Joseph's and Mary's plans of getting married and living happily ever after. From the moment of the angel's first annunciation, their life would turn out far different from what they had expected it to be. But here's the bottom line. In this new year, we stand at the threshold of a new calendar. Who knows what twists and turns detours lie ahead and what effect they're going to have on our lives we don't know life is full of changes some we choose like going off to college or moving to a different location or looking for a new job some we don't like experiencing the death of a loved one or the failure of a marriage or the devastation of a storm Eight years ago, millions of us saw a good portion of our investments wiped out in the stock market recession. And you may have been one of them. I know I was. Just when you think things are going well for you, going your way, the rug's pulled out from underneath you and things go topsy-turvy. And of course, we're not the first ones to face the uncertainty of the future. Like many of those who have gone before us, Scripture beckons us to look at God again in order to see some kind of provision for our lives. A psalmist writes, Yahweh is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Yahweh is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Jesus told his disciples, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Paul told the Philippians in the New Testament, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So here's what I hope you'll take home with you today. You can't predict the future, but you can determine what you will do to face it, how you respond to it. You can worry about what's going to happen next, or you can be confident and trust in God to lead the way. 
Kelly Price is a R&B, rhythm and blues soul singer and songwriter. She summed it up as well as anyone could. In an old gospel song her mother used to sing to her when she was just a child. It's entitled, I Know Who Holds Tomorrow. And it was written by Ira Stamfel. And it goes like this. I don't know about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. I don't borrow from its sunshine, for its skies may turn to gray. I don't worry about the future, for I know what Jesus said. And today he walks beside me, for he knows what lies ahead. Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. Thanks be to God. Amen.